It is Wednesday, January 25th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. Is it the Chiefs against the Bengals or Mahomes versus Burrow? And what does the future hold for Aaron Rodgers? Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Is it maybe a battle of the two best quarterbacks in the world on Sunday? The Patriots have a new old offensive coordinator. And the Hall of Fame gains another entrant. What is the Vegas lead, Scott? We're going to start with the AFC Championship game, AJ, because there's been a lot of conversation this week about this game. And yes, the majority of it has to do with Patrick Mahomes' ankle. Is he going to play? How is he going to play? What's his status? There's been no update in the line right now, correct? As as, as it stands, the uh, Chiefs are actually home dogs. Which, yesterday you said that's the market telling us that Mahomes is not going to play. Or, at a minimum, he's going to be severely hobbled. Severely hobbled in this game, which is what I expect. I expect him to play, but be nowhere near himself. But the other bulk of the conversation surrounding this game is about the two quarterbacks. And I know it's unfair in a team sport to really go Guy versus guy. We do this with quarterbacks all the but time. But it, it does. It yeah. seems like this game could be, even though we saw this last year and the Bengals won and went to the Super Bowl. Now that we're seeing it again, it does feel like last year was, you know, a nice story. This year could be the coronation for Joe Burrow. That's been the conversation. And, and first of all, I mean, let's, say the you know what you mentioned first the the injury is still a big part of this yes like if Joe Burrow beats Patrick Mahomes in this game if the Bengals beat the Chiefs people there's gonna be people like well yeah but of course Patrick Mahomes was hurt Mm -hmm. but Joe Burrow's beat him three times already like he's three no against the Chiefs Mm -hmm. including the AFC championship game last year the but there are also people who will say I'm not gonna make my decision over who the best quarterback is based on one game that's short-sighted which I tend to agree with but those same people will say, you know, three minutes later, well, it's it's certainly Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow 1-1A. One one mm. You can see now Josh Allen's a little bit behind. That was proven on Sunday. So they in one game, in that instance, they're able to say, okay, enough yeah. there. It, it is interesting. I, like, I, I don't know that there's a, a huge argument. that, and, and if you are saying there's a guy who's better than those two, I, I think you're splitting hairs. Um, I, I, like, if you say... Josh Allen's better than than Joe Burrow. I'm not going to argue with you. If you say Joe Burrow's better than Josh Allen, I'm not going to argue with you. I think mm-hmm. at some point it comes down to what's your what's your preference, what style of quarterback do you want for your team. But Patrick Mahomes has what those other two guys don't have. A ring? Well, a ring? A league MVP? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a guy who is three years – and this is how, how funny it is because three years ago there wasn't discussion about like – is Patrick Mahomes the best quarterback right now? People were already saying Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback that's ever walked the earth. Mm. Like they were already assuming this guy's gonna he's gonna shit on all Brady's records. This guy is Joe Montana to the nth degree. And now it's like, 
is he better than Joe Burrow? It's it's <laughs> funny how quickly we change our minds yeah, about like, these things. If if he wins this, if, if Mahomes wins this game, that's three Super Bowl appearances in the last four seasons. Yeah, not to and not to mention like you know a championship game lost last year. It could have been four straight Super Bowls for the Kansas City Chiefs. Like that. That puts you in rarefied air. No doubt. Three and four years puts you in, like, Brady status. Yeah. I, I'm still, uh, until, and and I'm this is something that can't happen this weekend. It can't happen, you know, this month. To me, Patrick Mahomes is still the best the best quarterback in the NFL. This is, if, if that is going to change, it's going to take a, a multiple years. Mm. Of somebody proving that they are better than him, and head-to-head matchups aren't enough because it, like you said, it is a team sport. Yeah, this is uh, it's an interesting narrative, certainly, and it's even made more interesting by the fact that Patrick Mahomes isn't one hundred percent going into this game. Yep, but it almost feels like we're just in a hurry to crown the next guy, and just taking a look at QBR from this season. Patrick Mahomes, 77.6 QBR. That is 6.2 points better than the second best guy, who was Josh Allen. Mm. If you want to find Joe Burrow, you would keep going through Tua, Jalen Hurts, Jared Goff, Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, Jacoby Brissett, Lamar Jackson. Tenth, Joe Burrow, Mm 58.7. 19 points behind Patrick Mahomes in QBR. Uh, the idea that he's behind Jacoby Brissett, that should tell you this isn't like a one game does not decide everything. Yeah. Uh, Although all we've seen from Joe Burrow in his career, when healthy, in his postseason career, is the run from last year. Which was, you know, beat Vegas at home, win two road games, and then sure. lose in the Super Bowl in a very close, close game. game. And then this year, you know, win at home against Baltimore. And I understand they, you know, got a little break there. And then go and win in Buffalo against Josh Allen. Now, if he wins again on the road in Kansas City like he did last year, we're talking about one of the all time playoff winners. Yeah. In football history. Well, except he hasn't won a Super Bowl yet. Sure. And, and we all but know. going to two consecutive Super Bowls is an incredible accomplishment that not a lot of teams have done. Well, we talked about this on yesterday's show. Buffalo Bills did that before. And unless unless you find and their the right people. And their quarterback is a pretty, was a pretty damn good one. Yeah, Hall of Famer. Certainly. Hall of Famer. <laughs> but if you ask most people, who, like, who's the greater quarterback? Uh, Troy Aikman or Jim Kelly. Jim Kelly. If you look at it across the board statistically, it's not even it's, close. It's not even close to Jim Kelly. But most people would say Troy Aikman. And he beat him in two head-to-head Super Bowls. That's, mm-hmm. That has a lot to do with it. But if you're not winning Super Bowls, there's, you've got a weight tied to you that it's hard to like be looked at as elite, elite until you've, you've won one. And until Joe Burrow wins a Super Bowl, I think putting his name in the same conversation – is Patrick Mahomes is insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it, it really, I mean, Mahomes has won an MVP. He's won a Super Bowl MVP. This was or is the best player in the world. Joe Burrow's won a couple playoff games. It's nice. And I'm not, this is no knock on Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow's really good. And like I said, I was late to the Joe Burrow party. I didn't believe in him early on. 
there's no doubt in my mind this is one of the three or four best quarterbacks in the league. But being the three or four best quarterbacks in the league doesn't make you the best. And will, will, will it change your opinion if he wins the Super Bowl this year? Sure. It, it opens up the conversation, certainly. Yeah. But, again, until he's done, had the same regular season success as well that Patrick Mahomes has, like until he's been, hey, here's the trophy because, and by the way, Patrick Mahomes is winning a second MVP this year. So we're talking about a guy with two, two MVPs? How many MVPs does Joe Burrow have? None. Oh. Well, t- two is more than none. <laughs> and and this is what it was like for me with the with Josh Allen. Like RJ tries to put me in a corner about Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. And I'm like, I, I admit Patrick Mahomes is better than Josh Allen. Until until Josh Allen proves otherwise in the playoffs, Patrick Mahomes is better than him. And it, it, now I, it, where that came from was last year in the playoffs, I thought Josh Allen played as well, if not better, than Patrick Mahomes in that game. And they lost. Yep. But that's so, that's sort of what you said. That's a team game. Mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, Josh, Josh, Josh Allen, Allen couldn't have played a better game. Could not have played a better <laughs> game in 13 seconds. I mean, what are you going to do? He, yeah. gave, he, he gave his team the lead with 13 seconds left in one of the most and, incredible performances you've ever seen. And who got the ball with 13 seconds left? Patrick Mahomes. Patrick freaking Two Mahomes. plays, field goal range. This guy is, until further notice, the undisputed champion. And uh, uh, losing a game... On a on a hobbled ankle, assuming he gets out there and plays on it, which I I do assume he's going to get out there and play on it, doesn't change my opinion on no. it. No, does that mean? And I've said I said this on yesterday's show, the Bengals are a more complete team than the Chiefs. Like if you, I would agree with that. If you remove quarterbacks from the equation, the Bengals are a better team. The, the that's not in doubt. The Bengals, while Patrick Mahomes is hurt, are a deserved favorite even on the road. I agree. So this is, again, this is no knock on Joe Burrow, who I think continues to build a, a resume as uh, as a, a late season, like a, a postseason guy. Mm-hmm. And th- th- now, 15 years from now, if Patrick Mahomes still has one Super Bowl and Joe Burrow continues this kind of success and Patrick Mahomes has four regular season MVPs and Joe Burrow has none, it gets you to the same discussion of who's better, Peyton Manning or Tom Brady. Yeah, because those resumes would be very similar. I mean, Tom Tom Brady was the by he's the undisputed playoff champion of the world. Mm-hmm. Peyton, Peyton Manning, Manning is a better regular season quarterback Peyton than Manning Tom Brady. Might be the best, the greatest regular season quarterback of all time. So what what makes what is the the best? Who how do you decide who's the best? So is? this is what my father used to say, and and I kind of always go by this. Said the mark of a great quarterback to him and was the guy that you do not want to kick the ball off to or give the ball back to with a minute 30 left in the game with a chance to win. It. Yeah. If you had to choose Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow season on the line, minute 30 left, who gets the ball? It's it's not even a comparison. Patrick Mahomes every time is the quarterback that you don't want to give the ball yeah. to. And to me, that ends the discussion. He's, okay. he's the guy over Joe Burrow because he's the guy that I do not want to give the ball to, and he's the guy that I want to lead my offense in that do-or-die drive at the end of the game. On that same note, though, Patrick Mahomes has to beat Joe Burrow at some point. Like this Again, it's a team sport, mm-hmm. but that monkey isn't off your back until you conquer it. And so far, 
Joe Burrow's owned this series and is, again, favored to do so this weekend. Until Patrick Mahomes slays that dragon, like mm-hmm. that, that, it's always going to be a conversation. If Patrick Mahomes goes out on a hurt ankle and beats Joe Burrow, beats the Bengals on Sunday, and goes on to win a Super Bowl, we're back in the we're back to the. There's not even a discussion. There's yeah, no. Yeah. There's not a one A. There's Patrick Mahomes on this tier by himself, and then there's other other guys. What if he just wins this game and then loses the Super Bowl? I don't know. Now you got a guy who's who's sub five hundred in Super Bowls. Like, <laughs> and, you know, ask LeBron James how that works out. Like you can get to the you can get to the finals every year. If you lose more than you win, people will point at that and say, "Ah, see, look what you th- you got there. You couldn't do it." I mean, it's it's kind of a and this is the thing where you can make arguments for anyone, anywhere, anytime mm-hmm. if you if you squint the right way. But I, I'm not going to be a prisoner of one game or one season or or one anything because right now in my mind there's a, a wide gap between Patrick Mahomes and the field uh that's existed for I don't know three or four years now at least three years mm-hmm. and one game or two games there's it, it's going to take a lot more than that to to close that gap enough to where I'm saying yeah I could I could see there being a discussion one one a. What happens on Sunday will have no impact on my opinion of who the best quarterback in the world is. Yeah, it's still it's going to be Mahomes. RJ asked me this last week. I think you were gone. Where he he had me. Uh, if you if if you were draft, redrafting the mm-hmm. league, take everything into account. Yep. Age, contract, all of it. Who are your top five guys? And my five at the time, well, my five still, Patrick Mahomes, one, Josh Allen, two, Joe Burrow, three. No, I said, actually, I I didn't say Joe Burrow, three. I said Justin Herbert, three. Okay. Joe Burrow, four. Mm -hmm. And Trevor Lawrence, five. Lawrence over Jalen Hurts? I think so. I've got, I've got, I've got, Jalen Hurts is about to get paid. I understand, but what's what's the argument? Is the Because if, if the argument is, I got to see it for another season with Jalen Hurts, you got to see it for another season with Trevor Lawrence. Sure. The, the difference is, remember, I mean, again, you're taking into account contract, everything else. Okay. You're going, you've got more time before you've got to pay Trevor Lawrence than, than before you've got to pay Jalen okay. Hurts. All right. Jalen Hurts was a second round pick. There's no fifth year option for him. Uh so you're being a capologist now. I'm I'm being a bit of a capologist. And I I get that's not totally fair, but you've got one more season now of rookie contract for Jalen Hurts. You've got three more seasons okay. Okay. of Trevor Lawrence. Okay. Not taking finances out of the equation. You can't. That's what that was the exercise. You couldn't take finances right. out of the equation. Well, we were taking it out of the equation. Jalen Hurts or Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Jalen Hurts. Okay. But honestly, if we were taking finances out of the equation, it's probably Lamar Jackson fifth uh, before before either of them. Okay, I, I can I can I can go with that. Yeah. Although I mean, listen, two years of questionable health certainly mm-hmm. puts a damper on that. But I still have seen him play at an MVP level. Yeah. Uh, something that I haven't seen those other two guys do. What, what's your five? What, where would you, you would you have a similar five? I would have the similar five, except Jalen Hurts ahead of Trevor Lawrence. Okay, that's the only difference. Yeah, RJ said his would be Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, 
uh, what did he say? He said he, def- he gave a non-quarterback, didn't he? No, he said he said Justin Jefferson. He said Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, and then he said trade out, trade, <laughs> trade the fifth pick, <laughs> which was a cop out, but yeah, it was yeah. funny. If you were uh, taking a non-quarterback, who would it be? Uh it's a good question. It's probably Justin Jefferson at this point. Because if you're just going on, because you have to figure money in the equation too. Yeah. So you can't take like an Aaron Donald. You can't take somebody no. like that. You can't take a Miles Garrett. You know, you have to, you have to go by. I mean, I guess Jamar Chase is still on a rookie deal. Yeah, he's in the conversation for sure. Uh, and you know, considering where he's at in that in that uh, in in his contract, that that may be the the guy you'd look to. This was his what second year in the league. Yeah. So it's hard to argue with him. It's, I mean, listen, guys like Sauce Gardner. <laughs> I'm not ready for that yet, but like TJ Watt should probably be mentioned in, yeah, the, in yeah, that yeah, conversation. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's some there's some dudes out there, uh, but yeah. It, but here's the thing: if you take a non quarterback in the first round, and you assume that let's say 15 out of the 32 teams take a quarterback in the first round, mm-hmm. now you're stuck at best with the 16th best quarterback. Can you win a Super Bowl with that? Even if you've got Jamar Chase. 49ers might do it with the, the whatever ranked Here's quarterback. Here's the thing, he though. He's not playing like. you yeah. got to hit the jackpot on every other yeah, pick. Yeah, yeah. And think about this. If you did a non-quarterback draft, you said no quarterbacks can be taken. You take all the best players. I mean, Christian McCaffrey's a first-rounder probably. Debo's a first-rounder. Mm-hmm. George Kittle's a first-rounder. Bosa's a first-rounder. I don't know if Kittle, Kittle's not a first-rounder. Kittle's the second-best tight end in the world. No, he's not. We we greatly disagree. I, I mean, I guess I'd hear an argument from Mark Andrews. Yeah, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, those easy one two. Kittle and Kittle, I don't. I wouldn't think. I don't think Kittle's. T.J. Hawkinson had a better year than than George Kittle. Yeah, but you're not you're not taking into account the blocking aspect of George Kittle. I, I mean, George Kittle is still an elite blocking tight end as well. I I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm. I I think he'd he'd if not a first rounder, he's near a first rounder. But there's a there's a ton of talent on that team on that San Francisco team, so you'd have to really hit the jackpot in every mm-hmm, round if mm-hmm. you're going to go with a guy like Brock Purdy. But hey, it, it works for Brock Purdy. And this is the other thing to think about. And this is like goes back to the beginning of this conversation where we're a change our mind on a whim world. Because if we'd asked this question a year ago at this time, it would have been really hard to not say Cooper Cup's name. <laughs> yeah. And neither one of us. Because we're saying Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase now instead of Cooper Cup. Neither one of us even thought about Cooper Cup. No. Because Cooper Cup had a down year. He had some injuries. Mm-hmm. And we're like, no, nope, he's gone. He doesn't exist anymore. But you also have to, we're talking also age and money sure. involved as well. So but I mean, I, I it, but isn't it wild that Cooper Cup would have yeah. been like a no brainer to bring up a year ago? Yeah. And now we're like, I don't know. I got no, I'll, I'll pass. I don't know where, like, how many quarter, or how many receivers would you go through before you said, yeah, I'll take Cooper Cup? Cooper Cup's gonna be thirty next year. Uh, That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. It's th- things change quickly. We we tend to like the flavor of the month. Yeah, but in I, this business, but I also think you just you have to start with anybody under the age of twenty three of twenty four. Fair twenty five. And that goes back to when quarterbacks are different because they can. I mean, Tom, yeah. Tom Brady sort of reset the mold of what, how deep a quarterback can go in a career. I don't start worrying about a quarterback until thirty five though. Patrick Mahomes is nowhere near thirty five. That's why I'm saying. One game, one week, one season, one whatever isn't going to change my mm. mind about Patrick Mahomes. Like, Diggs, Stephon Diggs is going to be 30 next year also. Yeah. You know, he's a guy that, of course, you would shake. But, like, Jamar Chase is 22 years old. 
It's not even a question if we're like if you if the the formula is to go with the you know the age and the contract. Yeah, you take those guys. Yeah. One guy we did not mention on that list of top five guys we take, whether it be age or contract. Well, maybe we don't have to worry about the contract because Aaron Rodgers says he is open to renegotiating his contract mm. if he plays next season. Here's the caveat: free ayahuasca. No, no, no. I don't think I don't think NFL teams are allowed to put that in contracts. Okay, uh, but but kombucha in the, in the uh, facility. I though. think you can have that. Yeah. Okay, but the deal is. Aaron Rodgers still isn't sure if he wants to play. Aaron Rodgers isn't sure if he wants to play for the Green Bay Packers next year, even though he's... Are we going to do this every year with this guy? It appears so, because last offseason, he signs a three-year contract that, that was in, what, March? That's not even not even a full year ago. He signs a three-year contract extension for $150 million, mm-hmm. and when that happens, you go, well... That's it. Aaron Rodgers is a Packer for the rest of his career. Then he's going to leave after these three years. Be done. Now, after this year, it's like, eh, I guess we'll see. Yeah. And the things that he's saying, and as usual, he's saying it on the Pat McAfee show, but he's talking about there's a lot of teams because of COVID that are cash-strapped and they're pushing more money around in these deals. Um, and he said they're – they're creating void years to allow for a, an easier cap situation, basically. And like, sounds like he's giving himself outs. Why are you talking about other teams' cap situations? Yeah. You play for the Packers, bro. That is, I would say, surprising, but it's Aaron Rodgers, so it's not surprising. This is what Aaron Rodgers does. This Aaron Rodgers constantly flirts with the idea of either. I mean, really, what he does is holds his team over a barrel mm-hmm. because. As we get closer to dra- – like, when do you think Aaron Rodgers is going to say, yep, I'll be back next year, I'm in? Or wait until March again? Well, he's going to wait till the new league year starts and teams figure out the cap situation. Because the Packers have to figure out a quarterback situation. Well, they got one if he's not there. This is like, they drafted Jordan Love. He's going to be on the team. It- the Jets at least the Jets get... drafted Sam Darnold at and, one point, and they realized well, they traded the him. answer. They traded him. Well, they traded him when they drafted a new quarterback. So unless the Packers, you're telling me, are drafting a quarterback this year and trading Jordan Love, they have a quarterback on their roster that they drafted that has been sitting and waiting for his time to play. And maybe they give him that chance. They may, they give him that. They scratched the lottery I mean, ticket, did you, as we did, say. Did you say this when Brett Favre left? You know, they drafted Aaron Rodgers, and they haven't played him for three years. But no, they, they they waited their time and the they, difference they, is they gave him I've job. seen Jordan Love and Jordan Love's no good. <laughs> like let's stop acting like Jordan Love. We don't know anything about him. Like I've seen Jordan Love be bad at football. I've seen enough. Like is is it possible that he's better with a, like if he's getting all the number one reps? Sure. Do I want to like pin the hopes of my franchise on that? No. Like so if you, if you are going to go with Jordan Love, I think you've got to bring in a veteran. You've got to bring in a maybe even. I, I don't know. Maybe you bring in a Jimmy Garoppolo or someone like that and say, hey, one of you guys going to win this job? Mm. Uh, or Baker Mayfield, anybody. I, I don't know that Baker Mayfield's even good enough. Like to be, if, if Baker Mayfield wins the job, I don't know if I feel good about that. So, I, but I think you have to have a better option than just maybe Jordan Love works out this time. I, I, I get that you drafted him. Listen, guys, teams give up on draft picks all the time when they don't work out. Yep. That's just, that's the way of the NFL. Quarterbacks are no different. And Jordan Love, I'll be honest, like, has he had the chances that that most first-round quarterbacks get? No. 
But did we expect him to have those chances when he got drafted? I certainly didn't. I mean, it, all it did was piss Aaron Rodgers off. And the Packers have made it perfectly clear they'll do anything to keep Aaron Rodgers happy. Mm-hmm. I think Jordan Love's a forgotten man at this point. Well, don't they have like one year uh, left for him? Because then they got to decide whether they're picking up his option or not. Yeah. So they, he, he obviously was 2020 draft. So this is the year that they would have to decide if they want to pick up his fifth year option. Um, I think this offseason, they have to do it before year four, right? You have to pick up the, the fifth year option before year four. So they would have to do that this offseason. But again, that's something that they need to know from Aaron Rodgers. Hey, what's your plan here? Do we need, do we need to start making plans with Jordan Love? And at this point, I don't think you pick up a fifth-year option on Jordan Love. I think you do what the Giants did and let Daniel Jones play out his string, and then you figure it out at the end. Mm-hmm. And if if you've got the same problem the Giants have right now, it's a good thing. Because if, if Jordan Love plays as well as Daniel Jones did last year, the Packers are ecstatic. Yeah. And if he doesn't, okay, you move on. You bring in a rookie or you bring in a vet, whatever you want to do. You bring in a real quarterback and say, okay, you're our guy. Here's the reins. So... Um... This is an interesting thing. Rodgers and Love are represented by the same agency. So mm. Jordan Love's agents will know, yeah, they will know what Aaron Rodgers' situation is going to be. What I don't see the Packers doing is giving a fifth-year option to a guy who started one game in his career. And if they did do that, I would think it'd be foolish. Like, think about how dumb we thought it was when Sam Darnold got a fifth-year option from the Panthers. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are you doing? Like, why not just let this guy prove it? And, of course, it pro- it was proven out that Sam Darnold's no good. Yeah. Like if, if you give Jordan Love a fifth-year option, you're committing to an, another year. Mm-hmm. You've already wasted. The, the best time to have a rookie quarterback is the first three years of it because they're so cheap that it's like anything beyond this is like, well, now you're, you're paying a tax on something that is an unknown commodity. It doesn't make sense. To me, it makes more sense to cut bait on Jordan Love altogether draft someone this year, get that clock ticking now, and maybe Jordan Love, if, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't come back, get that clock ticking on Jordan Love and this rookie, let them have a have a, a competition immediately and see see who the better man is. I think uh you I think you pick up the option because you don't want to put yourself in a scenario that the Giants are in. Had the Giants picked up Daniel Jones's option, they're fine letting Daniel Jones go for another year. But now they're going to have to pay him. Now he's not going to get big time money, but they got to pay him something. If Aaron Rodgers does not play for the Packers this year, by picking up Love's 2024 option, you give yourself protection that if he plays well enough this year to earn the starting job going to 2024, you're not paying a guy after one good year, uh, you know, a three, four year deal worth $100 million. You know, you're still paying him a fifth year on a rookie deal. And then you can maybe talk an extension. Yeah, maybe so. And, and maybe the Giants felt like they, you know, they felt more compelled to do. But also, remember, I think the Giants were in a different there's situation. A team there's a guy who started 36 games. I think the Giants were in a different situation because it's a completely new regime. And it's a regime that did not draft Daniel Jones. So it's a G, new GM and a new head coach. And you didn't want to commit to a guy that maybe the general manager and the head coach we're not in love with. After this season, obviously a different story. But in Green Bay, you have, you know, a coach that's been there for a few years with him. You have an organization that drafted the guy and and nothing's changed. So 
that's what you're doing. You're letting it. You're, you're letting it. You're, you're you're going forward with a guy that you chose. I think the difference is though. Daniel Jones in his three years, thirty-seven starts or whatever it was, had shown some flashes that they were like. You could see maybe we're hopeful that there's something there, but we're not sure, so we don't want to pay for it. Okay. You haven't seen any flashes with Jordan Love. There's nothing mm-hmm. there's nothing that Jordan Love has put on tape that makes you go, you know what? He he could really break through. I I, I don't know. I don't I know. think you just risk it. I, I, I don't want I don't want to marry a quarterback for an extra year that I don't have to be married to because I, I Jordan Love's done nothing to me to say, Yeah, I really want to keep that guy around. Yeah, but the Packers are an organization that, you know, likes to Play their their homegrown guys, and not necessarily do a lot in free agency. Then grow another one. Take yeah. a draft pick, grow one, because I don't think Jordan loved it. The uh, officiating crew has been announced for the Super Bowl coming up. Carl Sheffers will be the lead ref for the Super Bowl. It's his third Super Bowl in the past, like seven or eight years. Um, he was the official for Super Bowl. I guess that's fifty one, which was the. I guess that's the the Falcons. The Patriots. Falcons, Falcons Patriots, yeah. 28-3. And then he was the official for the Chiefs Super Bowl against the Bucks. That was LV. Okay. So I guess that's 55, right? LV? Yep. Okay. These numbers really the, it's, the, it, the Roman. It's out of control at, now. At some point, do we stop doing the Roman numerals? I'm for it. I, I'm a, I'll sign a petition. I was very upset because um, Super Bowl LV was up for grabs at SoFi Stadium. It was supposed to be at SoFi Stadium. Because the stadium wasn't ready, they had to move it. And on short notice, they decided it's going to be in Tampa. Wound up, you know, being really cool because the Bucs became the first team to, you know, win. And then, by the way, last year it happened again where the Rams went on their home field. Didn't work out for the Cardinals this year, so it's not going to happen three years in a row. (laughs) Crazy. Something that never happened in history happened, you know, back-to-back years. Anywho, I was very upset about it because at the time I said, this is incredible. Super Bowl LV. Allegiant Stadium is ready. Yeah. They could have Super Bowl LV in Las Vegas, and then the marketing just pays for itself. It's Super Bowl LV. LV in LV. Yeah. But that didn't happen. Super Bowl Las Vegas did not happen. It will happen in 2024, but it didn't, it's not LV. Anyway, uh, Carl Sheffers, if you want to look at the history in those two games and you want to say, does this crew call a lot of uh, penalties? Do they not call a lot of penalties? How do they officiate a game? Well, during the regular season this year, it's not a, a, a direct comparison because in the Super Bowl, you get all-star officiating crews. Sure. But in the regular season this year, Carl Sheffers's crew did call the most penalties, right? He had the most penalties in the NFL, his crew. In the Super Bowls that he has been the lead ref for, the first one, 13 penalties for 88 yards. The second one, 15 penalties for 159 yards. Mm. When the Super Bowl props come out, if there is an over-under on penalties, keep those numbers in mind. 13, 15. We'll see what the line comes out for Super Bowl props for penalties. That, to me, doesn't uh, feel like a, you know, a, a massive total 
for the games. I think if you look at his total during the regular season, let's just try and average this out of how many penalties his crew has called this season. In 17 games, 214 penalties were called by his crew. So simple math equation would be 214 divided by 17. That's 12 and a half penalties per game. That's the most in the NFL this year. Yeah. Doesn't really seem like a lot. And by the way, 13 and 15 were more than 12 and a half. So maybe we have a Super Bowl that has a lot of penalties. Maybe that's what we're in store for between whoever comes out of the AFC and whoever comes out of the NFC. The 2023 class of the Baseball Hall of Fame has been announced. The Baseball Writers Association of America has submitted their ballots, and only one player has been elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Scott Rowland, former Gold Glove third baseman, named on 76.3% of the ballots. Helton, Todd Helton, was the next closest, 72.2, did not make it in, fell short by just a handful of votes. Scott Rowland, seven-time All-Star, 17-year career, eight gold gloves, 1997 National League Rookie of the Year, Mm -hmm. won won a World Series in 2006 with the Cardinals. This guy's a Hall of Famer. (laughs) That was kind of my thought. Like, and this, listen, Scott Rowland is a nice player. He, like I said, is eight gold gloves. They're the fourth most for any third baseman. But if we're just going by gold gloves standards, like Nolan Arenado should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. This is the, the, what baseball has done to themselves. 17 years, he is a compiler. At no point did I ever believe, and Scott Rowland was a tremendous ball player, but I never felt Scott Rowland was, this guy's one of the greatest players of his generation. No. Scott Rowland, uh, I think, is fair to say an elite defensive player. Yes, he's a good offensive player. Played a part on some uh, some a championship team in in St. Louis. Uh, played a major role on that team. But this, to me, is an indictment of the Hall of Fame and what they've done to themselves. Completely watered down. Scott Rowland, in his first year on the ballot, got ten percent of the vote. Yep, ten percent. And something in the five years since. Pushed him over that 75% mark. It's the biggest joke ever. You're either a Hall of Famer or you're not. It's not about the year. It's not about like, oh, you're not a Hall of Famer this year, but compared to like the next group of guys, you're a Hall of Famer. No, you're either a Hall of Fame player or you're not. And the, the, the voters decided years ago he was not a Hall of Famer. Just because you have other guys that didn't or you didn't think deserved it this year, you make Scott Rowland a Hall of Famer? No, it makes no sense. By the way, Scott Rowland, remember I said that first year he got 10%. Gary Sheffield that same year had a higher percentage than him. Mm -hmm. Gary Sheffield this year finished fifth in the voting with 55%. Gary Sheffield, like if you want to write numbers down on a piece of paper, those numbers look like Hall of Fame numbers. Gary Sheffield was a Todd guy. Todd Helton's numbers are Hall of Fame numbers, too. Now, and Todd Helton, you could, I, I'll hear the, well, he played in Colorado. Okay. I, what I'm saying is when Gary Sheffield stood there with a bat, you didn't want to throw the ball to him. Like, it, Gary Sheffield was a terrifying monster of a human. Scott Rowland's a good ball player. It's just now we're putting good ball players in because we're so afraid. And I say we because these old head baseball writers are so afraid 
to put someone in who was involved with anything that has to do with steroids. It's a joke. That was ever named on any kind of report or anything. Oh, can't do it. It'll sully the game. So now we're putting Scott Rollins in. And now we're like, we're almost putting Todd Helton's and Billy Wagner. Freaking Billy Wagner? A, a save compiler? Like, okay. like it, it, As far as closers go, okay, Billy Wagner's a good closer. Yeah, not a Hall of Famer. No. And, and Andrew yeah. Jones only getting 58.1% is a joke. Andrew Jones is one of the greatest players of his, of his time. In fact, if you look up Andrew Jones's stats from the time he came into the, the league and from the age that he was, I guess the age that um, Mike Trout is now, Andrew Jones had better stats from age 19 to age 30. I actually have the numbers right here in front of me. Andrew Jones had more from age 19 to 30. And Mike Trout is the greatest player of all time, right? He's, wow. he's, he's I mean, that's what everyone talks about. That's what everyone First says. First Hall of Famer. He's very good at sport. Yeah. Andrew Jones had more hits, seven less runs, way more total bases, more home runs, more RBIs, more extra base hits, and defensive war, <laughs> defensive, like yeah, it's not how close. you do as a center fielder. Mike Trout's defensive war, 2.4. Andrew Jones, 26.6. Yeah. That's a gap. Andrew Jones is a Hall of Famer. I agree. Jeff Kent, this was his last year on the ballot. Uh, year 10, he got 46.5% of the Kent's vote. Jeff not a Hall of Famer. Jeff Kent leads all second basemen ever in home runs and RBI. Jeff Kent's not a Hall of Famer. Why not? He was never one of the greatest players of his generation. He won an MVP. Did Andrew Jones win an MVP? Andrew Jones won a lot of awards. Didn't win an MVP. Not one MVP? No. You sure? I'm positive. Are you, are you, are you positive? No. <laughs> I'm near positive, though. Uh, no, never, uh, never an MVP. Jeff Kent won an MVP. Yeah. You can't say he was never Jones? amongst the best. Yeah. In, 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 I mean, they gave him a trophy that said, yep, you're the best in the league. I don't know, man. Jeff Kent, well, he put up some monster numbers. And if we're putting in guys like Scott Rowland. Well, I said Scott Rowland is not a Hall of Famer. I mean, it's the the number of guys who are on the list right now who have an MVP trophy. I believe Todd Helton has an MVP trophy. And obviously he was second closest. Uh, and Alex Rodriguez has a handful He's not getting in. Like Alex well, Rodriguez. Well, well, that's a joke. 35.7%. Well, that's a joke. Alex Rodriguez not being a Hall of Famer is a joke. I understand this, the PED suspension. Let me just tell you something about PEDs. No one gives a shit. I agree with that. Okay. I mean, the, here's my bigger beef, though. The PED suspensions you just mentioned. Alex Rodriguez and Manny Ramirez, mm -hmm. who I think both should be in the Hall of Fame, I think if you look at if you looked at the list of guys who were qualified to get in this year, that if you had a chance to get in, you like Alex Rodriguez the best, Manny Ramirez probably the second best. I understand why they're not in. They both had failed tests. They got both got suspended. Mm -hmm. Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens never even failed a test. Yeah, I know. And we went through ten years where they're like, no, nope, can't do it. Listen, it's a it's it's grandstanding by an older generation of baseball writers that will die on this sword, and. There's a lot of people out there that have not covered baseball in many, many years that still have Hall of Fame votes. And to me, it's the most pathetic thing that you can ever 
see. I, I think anybody that's grandstanding over PEDs is just, it's ridiculous. Look, it happened, okay? There was a time everybody in the league was doing it. No one cared. Steroids do not make you a better baseball player. Steroids help your body recover from fatigue and wear and tear of working out. Steroids don't allow you to hit a fastball. Steroids don't allow you to understand the situation and to know what pitch is coming because you understand what the pitcher is thinking about in that situation. Steroids don't make you go to the batting cage and take thousands of swings in preparation for game time. Now, will they help your body recover after hours of working out? Absolutely. Sure. Will you pack on some muscle if you eat right and you weight train and you, you add a little supplement, uh, you know, some steroids to you? Absolutely. It's going to help you do that. Is it going to help you when you face a 97 mile an hour fastball? Absolutely not. You still have to be an incredible baseball player to do that. Alex Rodriguez is one of the top, Maybe the top 10 baseball players to ever play the sport. Yeah. And you're not going to put him in the Hall of Fame. Why? Because you don't like him. I mean, we just, listen, we just went through 10 years of this with Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, who. Barry Bonds, again, Barry top, Bonds, top 10 Bar greatest baseball players of all time. Barry Bonds is the best baseball player I've ever seen. Roger Clemens is the best pitcher I've ever seen. Neither one of them are allowed in the Hall of Fame. It makes it a joke. There was a year that Barry Bonds had more walks than swings and misses. Yeah. He walked more times than, <laughs> he than, than he swung the bat and didn't make contact. That's not steroids, okay? Like, that's plate <laughs> discipline. That's not – that's every time you swing the bat, you make contact. And I know there's going to be a bunch of people that might tweet at me like, steroids help your hand-eye coordination. Shut the – you don't know anything. Shut up. They do know. They're doctors. <laughs> uh, guys who were eligible in their first year – didn't do so well uh, in this vote. Jason Worth, Jared Weaver, Johnny Peralta, J.J. None, Hardy. None of them are Hall of Famers. Andre Ethier, Jacoby Ellsbury, Matt Cain all got zero votes. None of them are Hall of Famers. Uh, Houston Street, Mike Napoli, John Lackey, R.A. Dickey, none, Bronson none, Arroyo all none, got one vote. None of Hall of Famers. Someone gave Mike Napoli a vote for the Baseball Hall of Fame. That guy should have his vote taken away from him and probably have the shit kicked out of him. The only, the only two <laughs> no guys. No Mike Napoli was no, a nice yeah, player. Nice player. Like, you know. Like, the only like is that, is that his cousin? That was yeah, it's just, it's just wrong. Yeah. Only two players eligible this year for the first time got at least ten percent of the vote. One was Francisco Rodriguez. He got ten point eight percent. K Rod had a nice run, but he's not a Hall of Famer. The other was Carlos Beltran, who had forty six point five percent, and he brings up the next conversation of because he didn't really have his name attached to steroids. Mm -hmm. But now his name is prominently attached to baseball's newest cheating scandal uh, as he was part of the Houston Astros organization. Are you assuming how much how much rep how repressed was Carlos Beltran's vote count based on that? I don't know. Because, you know, it had there had to at least be some people who were like, nope, not doing it. Maybe. I don't know. I don't, that can't be the reason why people wouldn't vote for him. Well, the thing, the thing with Beltron is that it's it's the postseason stuff that you really have to think about when it comes to his Hall of Fame legacy. Not so much his regular season. I mean, he did have you know incredible regular season numbers, especially for a switch hitter. But only you know what do you have? Four hundred and thirty-five home runs. But it really it was the playoffs. He's got 
you know, one of the greatest slash lines in baseball postseason history. 307, 412, 609. That would, and maybe people aren't thinking about that, but I don't know. I think to me, he's borderline. Here's something I believe. The guys who are borderline. Yeah. They don't get the benefit of the doubt. Who play for six or seven teams in their career are less likely to get in than a guy who plays for three or four teams over a 20-year career. Yeah, you're probably right. And uh, seven teams for Carlos Beltran at the end of the day. First ballot first ballot next year. Any of these guys tickle your fancy. All right. One of them, I think, is a Hall of Famer. Okay. Adrian Beltre. I mean, if Scott if Scott Rowland's a Hall of Famer, I think Adrian Beltre has to be. Adrian Beltre is over 3,000 hits. He's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. So, Adrian Beltre, I think, is a Hall of Famer. Joe Maurer. Borderline. Because he had... He had he had a great few years. Joe Maurer is a career 300 hitter as a catcher. Yeah. That's, and he's like, he's. He had a three-year run, I guess maybe from 08 to 2010, where he was one of the, he was the best player in the game. I think you could make a good argument for him because I think when you, when you talk about a catcher, you like the, the hitting bar is usually lowered. Mm-hmm. But he he was such a good hitter, and yeah, I, I think I'd I'd give him a vote. Chase Utley, no. David Wright, no. Bartolo Colon, no. Matt Holiday, no. Adrian Gonzalez, no. Nope. Jose Bautista, no. You, you could stop. I I, I think uh, if we're getting that, yeah, that, that, that's the Adrian Beltre, Joe Maurer will be the first year guys. I Come on, for Doug Fister. Fister, I hardly <laughs> know her. <laughs> That was no, no. I hardly can know. So that's that was the greatest fantasy baseball team name ever. It, it was because you know JJ Hardy the shortstop. Yep. Uh, he got so, zero votes this year. Can you votes. believe it? <laughs> it's Fister. I hardly can know her. I think you should leave out the I. Fister Hardy can know her. Yeah, that's the greatest fantasy baseball name ever. Uh, Chris Tillman on the ballot next year. Oh, make, make it a, <laughs> make, make it a third vote. Phil Hughes. Phil Hughes? Yeah, Phil Hughes on the ballot. Yeah, I remember the time when Phil Hughes was going, he was like the biggest uh, pitching prospect in yeah. the world. Yep. But if he had any hat other than a Yankees hat, I don't think he would have been like a top 20 prospect. But he he was that hyped Yankees prospect that was supposed to be the next big deal. Didn't quite pan out that way. And, Good career. Not a and the pitcher respo- not a Hall of Famer. And the pitcher responsible for my uh, greatest gambling loss in history is on the ballot for the first time. Ryan Madsen. Mm. I'm going to hope he gets zero votes. I'm guessing. I don't have anything against you personally, Ryan. You're probably a great guy, but man, that ninth inning when you pitched for the Nationals against the Cubs, Sunday night baseball, three nothing lead. <laughs> Scherzer pitched the gym. Biggest loss of my gambling career. Fair enough. All right. It was an interesting night on the hardwood in college hoops last night. The U took it to Florida State. Florida State had been getting a lot of love, took a lot of money in the market last night. Uh, or excuse me, yesterday morning, and it it didn't matter. Miami came out and stomped them, eighty six sixty three. TCU took care of business, seventy nine fifty two over Oklahoma. Good one at the Hilton. Iowa State eighty, Kansas State seventy six. I expected a, a high scoring game. I think one fifty six. I wouldn't have even gotten that high on it. So uh, both teams playing up and down. Iowa State another big win. Texas, they're tied for first in the Big 12. 
as they get an 89-75 win over Oklahoma State. They, they had an eight-point lead at halftime. It never fell below eight. They dominated this game. I texted Griffin Warner, my co-host on the College Basketball Pod, who's a Texas alum, but he hates betting on Texas basketball. <laughs> I said, dude, Texas is good. I, I think we've got to get past the they don't have Chris Beard thing because th- their talent is elite, uh, and it was on display last night. And then Clemson with a 72-51 win over Georgia Tech. Uh, Clemson continued, like I said this yesterday, Clemson's a real deal. I, I think there's no denying now uh, that Clemson is going to be a factor when it's all said and done in the ACC, especially because the ACC in general, you know, when you think of Duke down, North Carolina down, mm-hmm. there's an opening for somebody. I think Clemson may be that that team. Uh, X going to give it to you, Con. You, Con? Come, that was my best try. Please uh, UConn minus six and a half hosting X uh, today. Houston coming off that loss to Temple. They were 20-point favorites, lost outright at home. I got a feeling they're going to be very salty about that. They are 10.5-point road dogs at Central Florida. Road favorites. Yeah, excuse me, road favorites. My lean is that this is a defensive grind. Ooh, okay. I think it's a low-scoring game. Tennessee hosting Georgia, 16-and-a-half-point favorites. I expect one team to be very low scoring. It's not Tennessee. Mm. So I, I'm going to be looking at a team total under on Georgia in that one. Providence, 9-and-a-half-point favorites hosting Butler. Alabama, 13-point home favorites against Miss State. And Texas A&M catching 4-and-a-half at Auburn. A&M, a team that I've been high on. Not sure I want to bet against Auburn. At home, they're very, very tough to beat at home. But this A&M team playing a lot better lately. So, uh, good day of hoops ahead of us here. On the ice last night, a couple of plays that I talked about here on SOVAM, the Devils at home against the Golden Knights. You know, Vitek Vanacek was in net last night, and he's coming into this performance was 7-0 and in his last seven That's undefeated. Starts. Yeah, and his goals against average and his save percentage – over those seven games, if it was those numbers for the right for the full season, it would rank him second in the NHL in both categories. That's how good he's been over the last seven games. Devils win in overtime last night, 3-2 against the Golden Knights, get a late goal. They had a one-nothing lead after the first period. They were down 2-1 going to the third. A little less than two minutes left. They tie the game up with the extra man on, and then they carry that momentum into overtime. So the Devils win, uh, continue this run. I believe they've now won eight of uh, of ten games, so they're playing some really good hockey right now. And the other play that I talked about was Vancouver getting the new coach boost after firing Bruce Boudreau and announcing Rick Tockett as the new head coach. The Canucks absolutely dominated the Blackhawks last night. The scoreboard didn't show it until the end of the third period. But let me just give you the stats first, and then you can see why the score makes sense. The Canucks outshot the Blackhawks 48-14 to in this game. 48-14! to That's pretty strong. That, that's pretty strong. <laughs> they... They, the Blackhawks had 30 penalty minutes in this game. Like it was unbelievable how dominant the Vancouver Canucks were 
playing for their new head coach. And I, I, the reason why I, I loved, by the way, they won the game 5-2. to two. The reason why I loved playing them in this game last night was because this season's been terrible. And the season's not getting better either. But these players are now playing for their livelihoods. And especially in their first performance for their new head coach, they were going to want to show out and fight for ice time. And that's exactly what they did. I was really bummed out when they were out shooting the Blackhawks last night when it was, like, I kept on tweeting out the stats. It was like they outshot them, you know, 20 to 5, and they were losing. They outshot them 35-10, and they were tied. Well, then they just dominated the third period. So a 5-2 win for the Canucks. Uh, I gave out on pregame.com Vancouver minus a goal and a half at a tiny bit of plus money. So that one came through. It's funny you mentioned Rick Tockett, and I am familiar. I know what team Rick Tockett was on in 1994, thanks to NHL, NHL 94, 94, the greatest hockey video game that's ever been created. Yeah, uh, so, he was on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yes, he was. And I made. Do you remember the goaltender back then? I made a line adjustment. Is it Tom Barrasso. Uh, I think it might have been Tom Barrasso. That's yeah. a good pull. Yep. Or was it Reglet or Reg. There was some Ken Regals or something like that. No, I think it was Tom Barrasso because I remember him being like, um, I think he was an offhanded goalie. Okay. Yeah. If I, I'm not mistaken. But I do remember I would switch my roster around where I would have, because Rick Tockett played the same position as Yager, uh, the right wing, but I would switch him to left wing. I would switch Rick Tockett to left wing and put him on my front line <laughs> with Lemieux and Yager. I, that was a, I was a big strategist on that game. So I normally would play with the Vancouver Canucks. I was a big Pavel Bure fan. Okay. But if I was playing against one of my Trevor buddies. Trevor Linden. And you got to remember, this was before you could play online. So the only mm-hmm. place you could play if you played with against friends. anyone was with your friends. Yeah. And if I played with my friends – I'd break out the Penguins on them because they, you know, they were they were the best team. They were the team to the team to go with. Well, the Rangers won the cup that later that year, so you could play with uh, Graves and Mike Gartner and Messier, Messier of course, yeah, and Leach yeah. and Nemchinov and yeah, Richter and Net, and yeah, it can go on and on and on. Uh, speaking of the Rangers, they're in action tonight up in Toronto to take on the Maple Leafs. Toronto minus one sixty five might take a look at the Rangers as the dogs, although. If it's Yarrow Halak in net, don't know how much I can trust them. Islanders are up north as well. They are taking on the Senators in Ottawa. The Sens are minus 125. Hurricanes at the Stars. It's an even split between both those two teams, minus 110 both ways. Blue Jackets up in Edmonton to take on the Oilers. Boy, this one's going to be a blowout. Edmonton minus 420. Ooh. Yeesh. And the Canucks playing the second out of a back-to-back. After this big win for their new head coach, our minus our underdogs, Seattle minus one ninety. So might have to new coach boost is gone now though. Yeah, I think it only lasts for one game. Yeah. I really do. I think it only lasts for one game. Although you're definitely gonna get a better goaltending performance because I don't expect Colin Delia to be a net tonight like he was last night. Dude gave up two goals in the first ten shots he faced. I mean the Blackhawks only had ideal. like fourteen shots on the game. And because of his letting in soft goals, uh, this one was a much closer battle than it actually should have been. In the NBA last night, the Pacers 116-110 winners over the Bulls. Celtics lost their second straight. This one to the Heat, 98-95. Scott's Knicks, 105. My Cavaliers, 103. Bang, bang. 
Donovan Mitchell with an injury. That's yeah. not ideal either. Uh, the Nugs get a 99-98 road win. Another triple-double for Jokic. 25-11-10. and 10. He is good at sport. Wizards beat the Mavericks 127-126. The Suns, big winners over the Hornets 128-97. And the Clippers handled the Lakers. Uh, big game for LeBron, not enough. 46 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists. Well, we knew they were going to be shorthanded because uh, no Hachimura. No Hachimura night. yet. That's right. And they, uh, they got blown out by the Clips. Tonight, though, tonight's a different story. Hmm. Who knows what tonight holds? Pace, it holds the Pacers and the Magic, a, a matchup that everybody's been talking about for months. The Magic, five-point favorites at home. Nets plus five-and-a-half at the Sixers. T-Wolves plus two-and-a-half at the Pelicans. Hawks minus one at OKC. Nuggets, second leg of a back-to-back, plus seven at the Milwaukee Bucks. Wizards minus three at the Rockets, looking for their second win of 2023. Ooh, what a matchup we've got. The Grizzlies plus three. Boy, the Grizzlies playing, it feels like every night right now. Grizzlies plus three at the Warriors tonight. Kings, three-and-a-half-point favorites hosting the Raptors. And the Trailblazers, minus four, hosting the Jazz. One more, I guess. The Lakers playing another one. Minus six-and-a-half, hosting San Antonio. And Hachimura could make his Laker I would ex- debut tonight. I would expect it, in fact. If you'd like to purchase a pick for one of tonight's games, I'll give you a hint. AJ's got a college basketball game of the month up tonight. It's already up on pregame.com. You can take 20% off of it using the promo code EARLY20 because we love you waking up early with us here on SOVAM. So the promo code EARLY20, E-A-R-L-Y, 20. Good for listeners of this podcast. Get you 20% off anything at pregame.com. Like I said, AJ's got his college basketball game of the month up. What are you up? Uh, you're up. I mean, you're up all o- season. Over 21 units the last two weeks. How about That's that? That's pretty darn good. So uh, you can certainly get his uh, best bet for tonight, best bet of the month tonight. Uh, I'll have NHL like I do every single night. So you want to keep rocking and rolling with the hockey. But check out the list of all of our pros at pregame.com and take 20% off on us using the promo code early 20. For AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas. I am.